This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Um, as most of us, I grew up in, with Christian morals and values, but I thought it was just a religion. I just thought that, you know, you go to church because it's the right thing to do um, and things like that. So later on it got boring for me and... Um, I just started going for the girls and the social and things like that. Um, and then later on, when my parents stopped going, I stopped going to church because it was just a, a thing that we did. Um, I didn't really understand what it was about. And then one of my close friends once um, invited me to um, a church service, a worship service. And I had nothing against God. Was, um, so I was like, okay, cool, I'll go. And I went and, and, and went. the first time I got there... Um, it, it, it was actually a show for church in Paul. The, when I got there, it was the first time that I saw people love each other so intensely. Um, and immediately I just felt welcome. Immediately I felt like, yes, these people love each other so much. And they welcomed me. They asked me how I am. What am I doing? You know, what school am I in? Things like that. And this was in grade nine. And um, I, spent, I spent the next few Sundays going to church because of this community, this family that was there. And then the pastor, very much the same as Helena, the pastor gave an altar call and um, I responded because I just saw this love that these people have for one another. So there must be something different about them. There must be something in this Jesus thing. Um, so I went forward and I, and I responded to Jesus' call on my life and I accepted him into my life. Um, and at that stage, I was really looking for belonging. Um, that's why this whole family and this community thing appealed to me so much. At the same time that this happened, um, where I was going full out, I was doing all the things that I needed to do in church. I was going to Bible school, leading cell, doing encounter one, encounter two. I was doing like a whole lot of spiritual stuff. So I thought, yes, you know, I'm on the right path. My friends started choosing different things. My friends started choosing at school and I started choosing um, alcohol and drugs, girls, things like that, um, you know, fooling around with girls um, and stuff like that. And because I wanted to belong, and the church was predominantly made up of like older people, like adults, I went with what my friends were doing. So I still had this genuine, like, I met with Jesus and I experienced the love of Jesus. But I followed what my friends, what my friends did. And this took me into a cycle where I was really depressed. I struggled a lot with anger and anxiety and my relationship started falling apart because I knew what the right thing was to do because I had this thing in my heart that, that tells me this is right. Um, the people in church and, and the way that Christ loves you is right and this is a certain way to live. But my sense for belonging in a community was like, okay, but I want to fit in with my friends. So I just kind of went to both extremes where... I drank the most, down the fastest, I did the most of everything. I just went extreme all the way. And I came on first year's camp. And then for, for one of the first times in my life, I experienced where people of my age group loved Jesus and I could relate to them. And I found this family, this community of people that didn't want to spend time with me because of my status or because of where I was at or what I was doing or, you know, my CV, but just because of who I am, because they accepted me just that way. And this was amazing. And I met them on first year's camp and, it, and, and, and I really got touched by God. I, gave, I turned away from a lot of the things that I did 
um, drinking and smoking and stuff like that. And I, I was like, yes, this is the way to go. Then when I got back to Stellenbosch after first year's camp, I for some other reason went back into my old lifestyle again, started drinking again, and, I was, and, and the devil came to put lies in my mind and said that this family, this church family, it doesn't love you. They don't accept you. They just want stuff from you. They just want to, you know, make you a leader or whatever. I, I was just offended with, with the church. And I just got worse and worse and worse. I just kept going to the further extremes, trying to find this belonging, trying to find this, this to prove myself. And then one day, one of my friends, we, we grew up together from, I think, one years old. I was playing cricket at his house, and he, um, and he was leading a small group in Boerland Landbo, just outside of Paul. And he asked me, do I want to go to the small group with him? And um, I said, no, I'm not really less. I'm not, not, not going to do that. Um, and he's like, okay, but then what are you going to do? And I said, I'm probably going to go play FIFA. Um, and he was like, okay, but I want, to make, I want you to make a choice, FIFA or Jesus. And I was like, yo, bro, you can't tell me that. And he was like, no, 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 I'm joking, I'm joking. And I was like, you're definitely not joking, but if you take me home, I'll get dressed and I'll come with you. And I went with him and they were talking about something, I can't even remember what, but it had nothing to do with what happened next. And God showed me a graph of my life. And it looked like this really up and down, undulating and he told me that my life looks like this because that day in grade nine that you gave your heart to me, I said, I'm not, never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to run out on you because you belong with me. You belong in me. And that night I broke down in tears because I actually experienced the love of God that every time I ran away, he called me back because he told every time he said, you belong. Every time I rebelled as hard as I could, he said, he drew me back and said, this is where you belong. And the reason why I started with that, that scripture, that um, the greatest thing that someone can do, the greatest form of love is when they lay their life down for you, is that friend that asked me that question, laid his life down, he risked our friendship pretty much to ask me that question. But it's because of him that I slotted into church, that I committed to God. I haven't looked back since. And because I understood that I belonged in God and with God, I had a confidence. All my depression left, my anxiety left, my relationships started flourishing. And I started having a, a, a bunch of people around me in church and in community that accepted me, not for what I could give them or what they could get out of me, but because of they supported me for who I am. And they will confront me, they will challenge me, to live a certain way because they know what is good for me and they're willing to put um, our friendship on the line for that. And my story is about people who really laid their life down for me, people who prayed for me, people who risked friendship for me because they love God and they understand how much God loves me. And that's a story for each one of us, that if we understand how much God loves us, we understand that we have belonging that no one here is an outcast. No one here is rejected. No one here is thrown out and is not worthy of society because God places worth on your life. Because God says that you belong and that's the highest authority. Even if the president, even if the highest authority on earth says you don't belong and God says you belong, you belong. And 
not only God, did God come and give me a feeling, but he gave me reality of friends that said that these people will lay their life down for you because I laid my life down for you. And that's the love of God, and that's what I testify of tonight, that maybe you're here and you don't have friends like that. Maybe you're in first year's camp, that this is an opportunity to meet friends like that, people who will lay their life down for you. Maybe you've never understood that God laid his life down for you and that that is where you belong. But tonight God says that I laid my life down for you and you belong and that I love you and I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to run out. I'm never going to run away from you because I laid my life down for you and that is the greatest form of love. Amen. So quickly turn to your neighbor and say, wow, why have got you, you've got such a smile on your face tonight? <clears throat> I remember the first time, um, I, <clears throat> I'm going to share a couple of scriptures with us and then we're going to pray for people. So tonight is a testimony and a worship service. Um, and so I, I actually grew up also in a very conservative home. And uh, sometimes when you grow up with religious Christianity, you almost you almost think like God is this distant God. He's a God up there. He's a God for Sundays. and uh, But for the rest of the week, he's not involved. Um, but the good news is that that God wants to be involved in your life, in your studies, in your family, in everything you do. Um, and that means he's Lord of our lives. That means he's Savior. That means he's the one that is in control of your life and he's planned your destiny. He knows exactly uh, why you are here. Why are you sitting here tonight? Um, that is good news. And whenever the Bible talks about the good news of Jesus, it's like, hey, you've won the lotto. You know, if somebody says that, then suddenly like, whoa, you know, things change overnight. I don't know actually if the lotto winning is such good news because it can maybe destroy your life. I don't know. Um, they say a lot of people is worse off a, uh, a while later. But imagine somebody just walks into your life and they they think of the, let's do it like this. Everybody's very hot in here. It's very warm. What would be your favorite cold pudding or drink? Just just think of that. Okay, now, this is church, so not beer or whiskey or anything like that. Let's stick to milkshake or stuff like that. Okay, so just tell your neighbor quickly, if you would, if somebody could give you like a, 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 a sundae, a chocolate sundae, ice cream melting right now, or like a, um, maybe a peanut butter milkshake, or... Uh, Cold ice cream and custard pudding. What would that be? What would that be? So there's some of you that ask quail, but you want a drip. Okay, just like some people here, yeah, just just close your mouth when you share that. Okay, just some of you. <laughs> But see, maybe, maybe it's like when somebody shares good news with you, it's like it, it, it brings a response in your life. Now, now I grew up on, on a farm and family was all over the place a little bit. Uh, but there was one thing my dad didn't do until I was 21 years old. He never said the words, I love you. And when 
you grow up with that, you sort of have this deficiency inside, sort of this desire for acceptance, and you'll go and either rebel and say, I don't need that, I'm going to do my own thing, or you'll go and look for acceptance. There's a scripture here in uh, John 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in, in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But when you have a wrong perception sometimes of your father, your own father, then you carry that same thing in when it comes to God. God is like up there. He doesn't love you. So I performed in tennis, did all the best stuff, was like the best learner at school, but every committee, you know, we didn't have these balkies, what do you call it, these balkies, you know, these things that some blazers have. Some people walk like this at school, you know, because uh, they carry so much weight, you know, and metal on the one side, you know, because uh, now I, I thought like the more you have here, the better the people are going to accept you on a Monday morning when you stand up there and you have a trophy and you won this, then people are like, wow, he's great because he does great things, not because... He is a somebody, it's because he does a lot of things. And so, so that was the challenge in my life. I actually was a massive introvert when I grew up because of that. Some of you won't believe that. But in such a way that I stuttered, I couldn't speak properly. So when you stutter, you have some challenges. You cannot speak properly and that means that you sort of have to think what you're going to say, and many times the conversation goes on while you're still thinking what you want to say. <laughs> so eventually you keep quiet because you, you don't want to be interrupted or you don't want to be like three sentences behind. And, um, and so I was an introvert but still performed and all that stuff. But then one day I heard the good news of Jesus. I grew up in church, but I never heard the good news. You can be religious but never hear the good news. There's a scripture in Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I heard the good news through a teacher at school that walked into my life and he was radical for Jesus. I, I, I thought he's crazy. I thought he's fundamental. I thought, like, you cannot take the Bible literally, but he did. Um, people said a lot of negative things about this teacher because he would just testify. And in class, he would say, like, yo, Jesus is so good. I'm so blessed. He does all these amazing things. And then people would just say, no, 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 stay away from that kind of person, you know. Because Jesus must be a part of your life, but not, not so, not so, you know. Because he's like this spoil sport. He's this man up there and, and sort of like, up there, you know. But one day on the 4th of April, 1989, I, how many of you were not born then? Well, Chona. Uh, you were a thought in God's mind. Eh? Okay, so, but in any case, so, I, I, he came, I walked to this teacher and I said, uh, Mr. Smith, the Jesus that you know and the Jesus that I know is not the same Jesus. The one that I know is one of my own making. Is the one that I just need sometimes when my life falls apart. But I can see that you have a living relationship. And I want to know that Jesus. And so, Romans 2 verse 4. 
says that something must happen in your life. He says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. I found the goodness of God because I was going in the wrong direction. <laughs> but the goodness of God, God is a good God. And he's never going to force himself on you. He's never going to put pressure on you to do anything. He always just invites you to life. Now, I have to pick on somebody. Gavin, come here. JP, Come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sitting in front for a purpose. Okay. Come stand up here. We're going to have a vote. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have in Okay, so. This beard is natural. He shaved yesterday. And this beard has grown for a couple of weeks. Okay. I really thought like God is this angry man with a big beard and he never smiles. Okay, so pretend you like that. Yeah, yeah, angry face. <laughs> Where's all the dark brick first years? They're very nice. Okay. <laughs> you see that face, okay? Now, Gavin is a softy and JP too, let me tell you. Okay. You can ask him anything though. But, <laughs> I, I, sorry, I just had to do that. But, um, but the amazing thing is when you look at them at a distance, you may think they're very angry because they've got beards and maybe you have a perception. Oh, there must be some way of the old apartheid regime, because it's only old Bure that wears beards like that, or stuff like that, you know? It's, 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 it's amazing what perception we may have of people. But the moment when you come closer, yeah, yeah, okay, so, but, um, the moment when you get to know these guys, you realize, like, wow, you come closer into this space because you realize they're like these amazing guys. They've, they, they love Jesus, they love the Lord, and when you approach them, you don't think in terms of, Gavin, you're the prim of Dagbrek. You think like, Gavin, I can have relationship with you. Not because you have a lot of titles, but because I know you. And so, so that's what I thought, and that's what the world and the devil tries to tell you. Now, God is really like this angry God, but there's no goodness in him. But he is a good, good father. So smile, guys. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Okay, I've put them enough on the spot. Thanks, you can go sit. But, um, you see, we all have perceptions, and the moment when you come closer to God, and you suddenly realize, like, wow, he's, he will take care of you. He loves you. And that's what happens is then you start to repent because repentance means the word metanoia. Anybody from metanoia? Yeah, residents? Oh, like a metanoia. Okay. Metanoia means turning around. You've been going in one direction. You realize this is the wrong road and you begin to turn back to God. You begin to realize that it's His goodness that leads you to repentance. I'm going to turn back to God because He's the original master builder of my life. He's the one who calls me. But it takes a 180 degrees turn. 
It's not a nice suggestion. It's not a nice thing we just do. It's a moment when you say to God. Now, I, I grew up in church, so I thought like, well, no, no, everybody's Christian. Uh-uh. Only believers are Christians. Only believers in what Jesus has done. And we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. Because what happens, then Jesus says, okay, once you've turned, once you've seen my goodness, I'm going to call you to a different life. Listen to this in Matthew 16, 24. Are you still with me? Okay, just, just turn to your neighbor and say, hey, hey, I told you about that smile. Don't forget about it. Some of you are like frowning out there. You're like thinking like, ah. Oh. Okay, we're almost, we're almost finished. We're almost finished. Okay. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The prerequisite for you to know God is dying. Because the biggest enemy in your life, we've heard it over all these testimonies, the biggest enemy in your life is you. Not the devil, not the world. It's you, it's me. The choices we make against God or the choices we make to be Lord of our own lives. Maybe you sit here and you think, no, God doesn't exist. He's not even a reality. But just look at the track record of your life. Just look at the results of your own decisions and you think like, ooh, machantas, I've messed up. I can't save myself. And that's why he calls us to a life of holiness. Holiness just means a different life. A separate life. Because now you start to follow him. Suddenly you get different values. You get different things that motivate you because you've been set free by the blood of Jesus. That defines you. It, it gives you a sense of identity. A sense of destiny. On the 4th of April 1989, when I committed my life to Christ, I had three dreams. I haven't told those dreams to anybody that lives. God showed me and said, but there's a destiny. There's something, there's a reason why you are here. You're not just going to study. You're not just going to do a lot of stuff. There's a reason why he's placed you on this earth. And part of that reason is to worship him. But when I heard that gospel, that gospel was also a gospel of power. Romans 1 verse 16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, but for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I knelt down on that day, the 4th of April, 1989, when I stood up, I never stuttered again in my whole entire life. And God says, you couldn't speak in front of people, but now you're going to start to speak about me. He told me, you're going to go to nations and talk to them about what I've done in your life. I've had the privilege to be in over more than 50 nations preaching the gospel into Iran, into places that one cannot go naturally. Fulfilling that which God said. And you know what? He wants to say something to you. <laughs> over this camp, maybe in this week, he wants to tell you why you're here. But see, that power came in. It wasn't just a nice suggestion. The power came in to set me free. It just broke the chains. The fear of rejection left me. The fear of failure that I was driven by broke over my life. And he's going to do that for some of you tonight. Because it's not just like, hey, God walks and tiptoes into your life. And he comes in and he says, I'm going to break that chains that you have been holding you back. 
I'm going to set you free. That's what Jesus said. I've come to set the captives free. I've come to bring liberty to those who are oppressed. I've come to proclaim the year of Jubilee. I've come to proclaim salvation, to preach the good news. And that's why we're here tonight, because of good news. Listen to this, the work of Jesus, Matthew 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Every sickness, every disease. Many people say, no, God doesn't heal anymore. Huh? I tried to commit suicide three times. The day when I got baptized, depression left. Bah! Gone. Sure. That's the Jesus of the Bible. So, what's our response? What should our response be to this gospel, this good news? And somebody says, hey, free ice cream. That's much more than free ice cream tonight. Matthew 18, verse 3 to 4. And assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children... You by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It takes great humility because you need to realize that you're a sinner. You need to be converted. You need to turn around. And it's only God that can do that. But the good news is God doesn't do panel beating. I mean, God just makes you a new creature, a new creation. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Okay, say Corinthians quickly to your neighbor. Just say it like Where's the Namibia people? Is there anybody from Namibia? Okay. Oh, laka, laka. Land flowing with milk and bultong. I mean. Okay. You must, all the people that brought bultong to the camp, you must hand it over to the leaders. It's a free will offering, but you, you just, obliged to give it. Okay, so it's compulsory. God's invitation. Let's finish with this because we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. You see, Jesus came to this woman at the well. She was messed up. She was, came alone in the middle of the day. She was supposed to come in the morning with all the other people. In John 4, we, we see how Jesus as a Jewish rabbi crossed the cultural, crossed the racial, crossed the gender issues, and he went to sit with the woman at the well, and he said to her, look your lady, I want some water, and she said, whoa, 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 stop this, you're not supposed to speak to me, you're not supposed to like have a conversation with me, um, and why do you come to this well, and you don't even have a bucket, and then Jesus answers her in John 14, verse 4, verse 14, he says to her, I'm going to give you water, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You see, uh, how many Gauteng and Natal and Eastern Cape people and Mapumalanga people, you're not from the Western Cape, raise your hand. Just raise it very high. Okay, do you know how one and a half, how long one and a half minutes is? Do you know? Do you know? You're gonna find out shower time. Okay? Ladies, you're gonna need a lot of faith. Men normally just wash under their arms and then they finish once every three days. 
The other day I got stuck, just by chance, in this aisle where all the lady shampoos are. I know I'm a bit colorblind, but it was red, purple. Shampoo before, shampoo in the middle. Conditioner afterwards, condition number three. There were like seven conditioners that you use at one time. I was thinking like, wow, this is, this is this, the ninth wonder of the world. How many wonders of the world are there? Seven. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just checking if you're awake. But so, I'm thinking like, ladies, you're a different species. But you need a lot of faith when you come to the Cape. One and a half minute of shower time. Because why? Water. Like the Americans say. Water. Scarcity of water. Water. You know? Some places in Cape Town we say different. Water, man. You know? Just like flat. Okay? Just flat. But this, for us here in the Western Cape, this is like a scarcity. This is like, whoa, you know? We don't miss a, a, a dripple. If, if the dripple falls like that, we'll suck it up. Oh, you know? I'm just giving you a demonstration. But, but it's, it's amazing. So Jesus comes to this lady and he says, I've got something. I've got water. That when you drink of this, you will never be thirsty again. I want you to think, what are you thirsty for emotionally and spiritually? Maybe the, it's an acceptance of boys, guys. Maybe you want guys to hold you and just say, I love you. Maybe you want the best chick next to you that walks around, be a more puppy and just like, because that will affirm you. You'll remain thirsty. If there's anything of your identity that you find outside of Christ, you're going to run. And every time it will become empty. But when you drink of that water, Jesus says, you will never, never thirst again. You won't thirst after acceptance. You won't thirst after belonging he won't because he will be your sufficient one imagine i could sell water like that in the western cape now i will be like we'll be like rich but jesus says i'm not giving you natural water i'm giving you spiritual water my question tonight to you is what are you thirsting for maybe you're afraid maybe you're running away from your past maybe you're looking for something I want to tell you what you're looking for. You're looking for real water. That when you drink of that water, you'll never thirst again. But more than that, that water will become in you a fountain that springs up into everlasting life. Meaning that you'll discover purpose because you'll begin to share that waters with others. And yes, they'll say you're, you're fundamental. They'll say, no, 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 don't go to that show for church. You know, they, they do, they do crazy for Jesus. We must be more balanced. Well, I don't know what Bible you read, but once you discover Jesus, once you have like the pool of greatest price, once you have that living waters, you're going to say like, uh-uh, sorry, sorry, Coca-Cola, uh-uh, sugar rush, uh-uh. But some of us like drink that spiky, spiky sugar. Okay, band, will you come up as we're going to give people an opportunity Band, will you come up, please? Okay, that sounds better, eh?
Da-da. Thank you, Renir. Thank you, Gerard. François. François is a vet. I see vet, I a vet. Stop putting words in my mouth, okay? And Jason is from Nigeria. Okay? God can save Nigerians too. I mean, hallelujah. That's a miracle. You're seeing a miracle over there. <laughs> Shh, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Okay. My question tonight is, are you willing to step out? Are you willing to come to the well to meet Jesus? Maybe you're here and you've backslidden in your life. Maybe you've run away. Maybe everything inside of you says, oh, crazy place. I didn't think they're going to bring me to a church service on the camp. I just wanted to meet chicks. They're all looking at you, so you are the culprit, yeah? Yeah. With he like that, we can go places, eh, Jason? But in any case, so. (laughs) I want to tell you, Jesus is real. And he's a good father. But he's not going to change his ways. You have to repent. You don't become a Christian because you're a good person. You become a Christian because you meet Him and you know Him. You turn around, you repent, and you start to live for Him. Doesn't mean you need to be radical for the sense of being radical. It just means you've discovered Him and He's more than enough. Will you stand with me tonight? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.